Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. This is Dr. Robert Jackson, and you're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm bringing to you biblical insight and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. In a previous podcast, I shared with you how my family has ministered to numerous men when they first got out of prison and needed some assistance, helping them with housing, transportation, finding jobs, and connecting with the local church. It has been a very fruitful and fulfilling ministry for my family. Well, recently I connected with an organization called Jumpstart. Jumpstart helps men and women who are on the inside of the South Carolina Correctional Institutions, helping them to grow in their spiritual journey, preparing them for the day when they will eventually be released to the outside, And then when released, Jumpstart helps them to find employment, find transportation, connect with a local church, and reconnect with their families. More importantly than anything, Jumpstart runs a series of halfway houses where men can live for usually up to about a year while they're transitioning back to life on the outside. One of the things that Jumpstart provides is a weekly Bible study for these men where they meet for accountability. And I had the privilege of speaking at one of the Jumpstart Bible studies last week, and I shared with them this message that I'm going to share with you at this time entitled, A Mighty Good Lick with a Crooked Stick. I heard that phrase spoken by a pastor many years ago, and it has stuck with me, and over time I've developed a message that has been really a challenge to me and an encouragement to many others. I shared this with the men at Jumpstart recently, and I could tell that it was a real blessing and encouragement to them. I hope it will be also for you. Let me start by sharing with you that when I was a child— And I got out of line. My mama would sometimes walk into the backyard and she would break a switch off of a tree and she would bring it inside. And it never really mattered to me if that switch was straight or crooked. And when she used it to discipline me, it would hurt just the same whether it was a straight stick or a crooked stick. It really never mattered. And I'm sure that was probably true if your mother or grandmother had the same habit of taking a switch from a little tree to stripe your leg when you stepped out of line. Well, I would also want you to know that my mother was a very determined little lady and had lots of authority about herself. And I'm going to come back to that in a little while. Now, fast forward about 17 years. When I was 17 years old, I worked for my uncle on his farm, 
And I spent the first six weeks of that summer cutting wheat and barley with an International 403 combine from dew dry to dark, frying my brain like an egg on the platform of that combine. And it was during that time that I made up my mind that I was not going to be a farmer the rest of my life. I decided I was going to college, and one of these days I was going to get me an air-conditioned job on the inside. Well, after six weeks of cutting wheat and barley, he told me, boy, you're going to sell watermelons. For you see, he had planted four acres of watermelons. And one of my good friends, Jim Poe, and I started selling watermelons out of the back of a 1949 Studebaker pickup truck that he had inherited from his grandfather. And we calculated that we could put 72 watermelons in the back of that pickup truck. And we commenced to selling them all over Clarendon County every day for about six more weeks. Well, one particular day, we were in Somerton, South Carolina. It was scalding hot, and we were selling watermelons at a gas station in Somerton. And I was standing on the back of that truck one day when a very stout young man approached me with a big stick, a big crooked stick, and a razor knife. And he demanded a watermelon. He had no intention of paying for that watermelon. I looked at that knife. I looked at that big crooked stick. And I realized immediately I didn't want him to beat me with that stick or cut me with that knife. I looked at the watermelons and I, I realized I didn't have any skin in that game. None of those melons belonged to me. They belonged to my Uncle Billy. So I immediately waved him through offering him the entire truckload of melons. In fact, the truck didn't belong to me either, and if he wanted the truck, I was going to give him the truck. Well, about that time, a guy came running across the parking lot. He was about six foot two. He looked to weigh about 190 pounds, maybe more, and he just ran up behind that young man with the big stick and the razor knife and just cold-cocked him hit him on the back of his head and knocked him out cold and then put his foot on the guy's neck and looked at me and he said, boy, are you all right? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, I'm fine. And I, of course, was trembling. And he said, what's your name? And I told him. And he looked at me and he said, are you Dr. Jackson's boy? And I said, well, certainly I am. And he said, well, you tell him that Doc Stooks just rescued you. Well, turns out that fellow that rescued me was a boxer, and he was a boxer for the Citadel down in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, I immediately told my father that night what had happened, and he threw his head back and laughed because he knew exactly who Doc Stooks was. Well, the whole point of the story is that that young man who tried to steal my watermelon had a big, crooked stick. And it didn't matter to me whether it was a straight stick or a crooked stick. I knew intuitively that I didn't want him to beat me with that crooked stick. Well, let's change over to a Bible story. You remember Moses. Moses was raised in the house of the king of Egypt. He was not an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew but he knew all the rules 
of the house of Egypt. All the rules of the household of the king of Egypt. But yet when he was older, he saw the slave taskmasters abusing his own people, the Hebrew people. And one day in righteous indignation, he rose up and he killed an Egyptian taskmaster. And he even hid the man's body in the sand. The next day, he realized that he had been found out. And he fled from Egypt as a fugitive from the authorities. And he spent the next 40 years as a fugitive in the back desert of Midian, squeezing sand between his toes and listening to sheep bleat. Until one day, God showed up in a burning bush and spoke to Moses and said to him, You need to go down to Egypt land and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. Now Moses had all kinds of excuses. He tried to tell God that he couldn't speak right, that he stammered. But in the back of his mind, he was thinking, I'm a murderer. He was ashamed. He was full of guilt. And the devil was whispering in his other ear while God was speaking to him and saying, Moses, who do you think you are? You're a murderer. You can't stand before the king of Egypt and say that God has sent you and told you to say to him to let his people go. God is speaking to Moses very authoritatively and saying to him, Moses, I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh on my behalf. Satan is whispering in his other ear, Moses, who do you think you are? You're a murderer. You could never stand before Pharaoh with any kind of authority. Now listen, brothers and sisters, that same scenario plays out in your mind, in your heart, in your life, and in mine all the time. The enemy of your soul whispers in your ear and says to you, who do you think you are? What makes you think that you can speak the truth of the gospel? What makes you think that you can say the truth about biblical principles of life? You know what skeletons in your past. You know what skeletons in your closet. And shame and guilt paralyzes you and me. Satan loves to paralyze us with the remembrance of our past sins that keeps us from being involved in Christian ministry. He does the same thing to you and me that he has done to Moses. He uses shame and guilt to prevent us from involving ourselves in Christian ministry. Now, fast forward to King David. David was the man after God's own heart. He was the psalm writer of Israel, 
and yet he was an adulterer. He was a conspirator to murder. And he sat down to write the Psalms. Those Psalms that so encourage your heart and mind. The Psalms that speak the very mood and expression of your heart and mind. And when we read them, we say to ourselves, why didn't I think of that? And then when he sat down to put pen to paper, stylus to papyrus, the devil whispered in his ear and said, David, who do you think you are? You're a murderer. You're an adulterer. What makes you think that you can write the words of God? And the enemy of his soul tried to paralyze him, tried to keep him from doing the very thing that God had called him to do. But he was not the only one. Fast forward to the New Testament, and there was Paul, the one who stood there with his arms crossed, and a smug look on his face while the crowd stoned Stephen, the first martyr, to death. He was the one that had permission to drag Christians out of their homes and put them in prison and no doubt have some of them killed. And yet Paul went on to write most of the books in the New Testament. He was the missionary and the church planter in the book of Acts. And yet he described himself as the chief of sinners. Paul knew who he was and where he had come from. But Paul was also the one who wrote in Romans 8 and verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that's you and me. Please remember that when the enemy whispers in your ear and says, who do you think you are trying to serve in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't you remember when? And he calls to your recollection that past sin in your life. You need to remember that Paul is the one. Paul, the one who was the chief of sinners, who said that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you see, Paul was also the one who wrote that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him The theologians call that imputed righteousness. Now listen, take your hand and put it on your heart and say with me, I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Say it with me. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now why does that sound odd to you? Why does that sound weird to you? I'm telling you, it's because you and I don't fully understand the power of imputed righteousness. Imputed means that God credited to your spiritual account the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, two things happened when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. 
God laid on Jesus your sin, and He washed you as white as snow in the blood of the Lamb. But the other thing that He did was that He gave to you the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. He wrapped you in a snow-white robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, God took away your iniquity. He took away your crookedness. Ha! He took away the bentness. You see, that word iniquity means bent, crooked, and gnarled. And you see, when God looks at you and me no more anymore, He doesn't see the iniquity. He doesn't see the crookedness. He doesn't see us as being bent, crooked, or gnarled. He sees us as being straight. He sees us as being righteous. You never saw yourself as a straight arrow, have you? But you see, God has made you a straight arrow. He has given you the righteousness of Jesus Christ because God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Now, let's go one step further. I want you to understand that as I told you in the beginning, my mother was a very determined an authoritative little woman. But her authority was really not her own. You see, her authority was a delegated authority. Now, let me illustrate that. You see, when my brothers and I pushed my mom to the limit, she would put her hands on her hip and then she would point one finger at us and she would say, you just wait until your father gets home. Oh, my goodness, that struck fear into our little adolescent hearts. Because you see, my father was a physician. He was an ex-Vietnam vet. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard, and Daddy didn't play. He didn't even play the radio. He was serious. And when my daddy said jump, you would think you were at the East Dale Bunny Farm. There were children jumping all over the place. When he said cut the grass, within minutes, you could smell the clippings on the front lawn. Daddy didn't play. And when mama said, you just wait until your father gets home, my brothers and I would go sit on our bed and start rubbing our thighs because we knew trouble was coming. Well... When I became a father, I would sometimes send my children to give a message to the other children. Well, now, my children had no inherent authority of their own, and when they would say to my other children, you need to come to supper, you need to clean your room, my other children wouldn't obey them. They had no authority. But then my children would put their hand on their hip and they would wag their finger and they would say, Daddy said. And as soon as they said that, you could hear little feet running all upstairs in my house, obeying, because all of a sudden they played the trump card and they would say, Daddy said. Because you see, they now possessed delegated authority. Well, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that you and I possess delegated authority. You and I are the king's messenger. 
The king's messenger can be old. The king's messenger can be crippled. The king's messenger can have a a past. And it doesn't even matter what his past may include. But he still has authority because he represents the king. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus starts off what we know as the Great Commission by saying that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then he tells us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Implicit in that statement is that he is now delegating his authority to you and me as his messengers. He says, now go into all the world and make disciples. We have two things, brothers and sisters. We have delegated authority and we have imputed righteousness. Does that mean that everyone will listen to our message? Of course not. (laughs) You and I know that. Some will and some will not. But we have a divine imperative to obey our King and deliver the message of love and grace and forgiveness. More than that, we can ignore the lies from the Father of lies when He would slander us, which He does. He accuses us and He slanders us and He whispers in our ear and says to us, Who do you think you are? And he tries to bring to our remembrance our past failing, our past sin, and the skeletons in our closet. And we have to put our hand up and say to him, Stop! I'm not listening to you because I now possess the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I now possess the delegated authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that mean that we are no or now sinless? Of course not. We still have an old sin nature that we have to deal with, a sin nature that loves sin. But thankfully, as John says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, he he acknowledges the very fact that we still have to deal with sin. He says, if we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But in chapter two, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. That means He is the one who satisfies the offended righteousness and the violated justice of our Holy Father. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And when Satan accuses you, you just point him to Jesus. Jesus, who is the propitiation for our sins. Point him to Jesus. and So it it doesn't mean that you and I are not going to sin, brothers and sisters, because we will 
We will sin. We have an old sin nature that we have to deal with. But whenever we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you think about it with a clear head, anytime God uses any man, He's using a crooked stick. Anytime He used Moses or David or Paul, He was using a crooked stick. Anytime He's ever used any great Christian man or woman in all of Christian history, he was using a crooked stick. Some are just more crooked than others. And you see, but when God uses a man of righteousness, he's using a man that has started himself on the path of confession of sin and repentance from sin. A man who's received the Lord Jesus Christ and submitted himself to Holy Spirit who lives in him and who's now beginning to abide in the word and abide in prayer. And then God can use that crooked stick. God is able to use that man in a supernatural and powerful way. And no matter how crooked it once was, God can strike a mighty good lick with a crooked stick. Please remember that all of your life, that any time God uses you or me, He's always using a crooked stick. I'm not trying to minimize sin in our lives. It's imperative that you and I avoid sin, confess sin, repent of sin, and strive for righteousness. But we have to acknowledge that anytime God uses any one of us, He's using a crooked stick. And no matter how crooked it once was, God can strike a mighty good lick with a crooked stick. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. If you'd like to contribute to further the efforts of the ministry, you can support them at patreon.com forward slash jacksonfamilyministries. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions at bobsloan.com.